Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me. Darcy, how are you doing? I feel like we haven't talked in a million years. It's been so long. I know you've been jet-setting all over the country and doing this and that, and I've just been hanging out in Birmingham, you know? I totally wish I was traveling all over the world. I know you were about to say that. I was about to say that, but then I was like, nope, i got to say country because you haven't actually left the country yet, so. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But you've been all over, and you're like, do you want to record such and such my time? And I'm like, that depends on where in the country you are, what time it is. I don't know. Seriously. Now you got to ask <laughs> me where I am in the country. I know. terrifying. Just um, So I found this really interesting article to talk about first for today, and I think this is going to set some interesting precedent. I don't know if you saw this, but Jackson County woman says she caught an STD in her car, and auto insurance is set to pay out $5.2 million. Wait, what? Did you see this? It's with GEICO. So evidently, the Missouri Court of Appeals has affirmed that an insurance company has to pay a $5.2 million settlement granted to a Jackson County woman who claims she unwittingly caught a sexually transmitted disease from her former romantic partner in his car. So evidently this opinion was issued last week by a three-judge panel, and they found the judgment entered against GEICO through earlier arbitration proceedings was valid. And GEICO is one of those companies that um, they have like an arbitration clause within their insurance yeah. policy, so you can't necessarily take them to court. you got to go to arbitration, right? which is interesting. But anyway, um, the insurance company sought to undo the action claiming errors were made in the Jackson County Circuit Court and the settlement agreement was not done in line with Missouri law. According to the court papers, the woman identified only as M.O. notified GEICO on February 2001 of her intention to seek monetary damages, alleging she'd contracted HPV or human papillomavirus from an insured member in his car. She contended the man caused her to be infected with the STD despite being aware of his condition and the risks of unprotected sex. The insurance company declined the settlement, sending the case to arbitration. In May 2021, the arbitrator found the man and woman had sex inside his car that directly caused or directly contributed to causing the HPV infection for this woman. The man was found liable for not disclosing his infection status, and the woman was awarded $5.2 million for damages and injuries to be paid by GEICO. The insurance company filed motions seeking a new hearing of the evidence and for the award to be tossed out, saying the judgment violated the company's rights to due process and the arbitration agreement was unenforceable. The company appealed after those requests were denied. The three-judge panel tasked with reviewing the case found the lower court did not make a mistake by denying the company's motion, saying GEICO did not have a right to relitigate the issues once damages had been determined and a judgment was entered. Judge Tom Chapman concurred in a separate opinion, though, saying he believes GEICO has offered no meaningful opportunity to participate in the lawsuit. Existing law relegates the insurer to the status of a bystander. This case is interesting for so many reasons. First of all, how do you prove that she caught it from him in that exact moment in the car? Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask because HPV can lie dormant for a long time after it's been transmitted. So I don't know how it is that they came to prove that it was transmitted during that particular encounter and how do you prove that he was the one that gave it to her or that he knowingly gave it to her like that if in he itself was her first is, sexual partner then that would that would really be the only way just incredible or no but how do you prove that he knew he had it 
and oh, gave right, it to right, her. Right. Yeah, that I don't know because men it can go undetected at men. Yeah, that's just incredible. So he had it's to have like, there had to have been some kind of text messages from him or or an email or something from him saying that he had it to someone else, or he had to have acknowledged. And it freaking serves Geico right for the arbitration clause, <laughs> like throwing everything in arbitration. Now they're pissed off that they had to go to arbitration and lost. So they basically like didn't participate in the arbitration and then they're like, whoa, 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 now you want us to pay $5 million? Right, I'm sure they did participate in the arbitration with like a- But not like- But not in like presenting it like a jury trial case or a bench right. trial case with a court where you have the opportunity to do discovery and all the other things right. that are involved. And I think that you have the opportunity to do discovery with arbitration too. But I think the tendency with a lot of these mega companies is to kind of blow it off a little bit because you think there's no way they're going to win on the merits right. for a case like this. And that may be what well, happened. Well, they also I mean, have the really money know. to extend the case out long term. And most individual people don't have the money to continue to pay a lawyer for that. That's just incredible to me. That is incredible. And how do you determine that $5.2 million is sufficient for the transmission of HPV? I'm still stuck on how it's the car insurance's fault. Because it happened in the car. I understand. I'm st- that doesn't, I understand the reasoning given. I'm not saying it, I'm saying it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I still don't get how that became the Geico's fault. I just think this really sets a huge negative precedence. Yeah. That is not good for a lot of reasons, including the fact that, you know, if cases like this are allowed to move forward, then it gives people the opportunity to sue insurance companies for their own, you know, use a condom, use your common sense. It doesn't matter if the person, if you know the person has an STD or not. Let's be smart about this, people. Well, and, and, and I'm, not like, that I'm blaming her, but like use common sense. And second, and most important, if cases like this are allowed to go forward, then that means insurance rates are going to jump significantly for auto insurance because of the risk associated. Uh, I didn't think about that. But yeah, I was just thinking like what other precedent is this going to set that somebody else is going to try and sue a big company and they're going to use this case as like a precedent and say, yeah, we can right. get through with this because this one worked. Like I just don't, it, like the far reaching effects of this, I don't really know. And I'm all for suing companies. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not big corporation here. Like, right. but I'm just confused as to how fault was assigned in this particular case and what that means. And then long-term. like fourthly or fifthly, whatever point I'm on by now, don't have sex <laughs> in the car for Pete's sake. That's just so stupid. <laughs> it's like really... Yeah. I'm not trying to shame the victims here or the victim. Um, But then I also see there possibly being instances where people could work in collusion to sue. True. And then they could split it. Yeah. So that in itself is a little bit scary to me. Because he doesn't have to pay any kind of financial punishment. It's his insurance company. And he probably doesn't have any money anyway. This is a huge, huge thing. And I just wonder how much um, discovery was involved in this and if they really did have significant evidence proving that this guy yeah knew he had it and yeah. willingly gave it to her because you have to prove intent you have to prove that you know he and, did and know like deliberately hit it for, for whatever yeah yeah and didn't tell her so it's uh, it's an interesting case, and I, I, I'd be interested to dig in and see the details that were involved in this, and yeah. I doubt those will ever come to the light of day. That stuff is – and secondly, most medical conditions like that are confidential under HIPAA laws. So She, had to, she, she would have had to have voluntarily disclosed it. 
She had to have volunteered hers, but he doesn't have to voluntarily disclose his. So it had to have been she found out about this in some other way besides his medical records. That either he right. admitted it and said, you know, I'm really sorry, or there was some kind of an email or some other secondary right. evidence included that showed that he right. knew he had it rather than his actual medical records. Right. This is like, the more we talk about it, the more interested in it I get, but I know we're not going to get any more detail because this is such an obscure find in the first place. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'd be interested to see in the end how, number one, if they actually let this go through, because that was the appeals court decision, right. I believe, in this last case. So it might go all the way to the Supreme Court just because of the seriousness of this issue and the precedent it could potentially right. set. And then second of all... Um, will she actually get a $5.2 million settlement? Because in many instances, um, when they're actually determining whether the person is going to get that money or not, they will reduce that sum uh, significantly, and the person will get much less than what was actually awarded by the court. Right. So I'm curious as to how much she'll actually end up getting from right. this settlement. Um, and they may determine that she has a partial fault here, and so they might reduce the sum even further because she had responsibility to use protection as well. It's not just his fault for right. not using protection. It's hers, too. So they may reduce the settlement total for that reason. So interesting stuff. Um, and hopefully, and I'll keep an eye out if there's anything else that comes up. I'm sure there will because it's Geico. It's a huge company. Right, yeah. Okay, let's talk about something else. You know how big I am on health. I have like yes. health podcasts. I have the Hypochondriac Almanac podcast. I have a yes. bunch of other stuff. And you know how I am about my caffeine, right? I Girl. really, my butt just drags throughout the day. I have super issues with that, like energy level. And especially in the morning, I'm just, I'm not a morning person, right? Yes. And I was like a couple years back, I would probably say I would maybe drink a half a cup to a cup every morning. Like that was it. And yeah. then I started doing a PhD, and that has swiftly increased to about half a pot every morning. Yeah. Of yeah. Just putting down caffeine just to get Seriously. through the day. And for me, too, that steady energy level throughout the day is the hard part, too. Like, mm -hmm. I'll be fine. I'll have, like, a little caffeine in the morning. And I don't drink coffee. So for me, finding alternatives to coffee has, is a huge challenge because mm -hmm. most of them just taste like crap. Yeah. And then, I'm not big on teas. You like teas. I too, have chai tea. Yeah. yeah. So I drink my chai tea teas. in the morning, and then by like 3, 4 o'clock-ish, I'm like already ready to sleep again, and I need a nap by the afternoon. So right. like maintaining that steady energy throughout the day is super important, and I have really had a challenge finding out how to do that in a healthful way. Coffee doesn't do it for me, obviously. And when I'm doing the chai tea, there's a lot of sugar in that. There's Let's a lot of sugar honest. in that. And then you get the crash from the sugar. And then I have other caffeine drinks without sugar, and they make me super jittery. And then I go up and down and up and down and up yeah. and down. So I actually found this awesome little product called Magic Mine. Mm -hmm. And you obviously got some, too, so that we could try yeah. this out. And I'm telling you. <laughs> stuff is like so awesome right yeah I it was hasn't... I was a little nervous at first but because you were like have you tried it yet and I, was, I, I hadn't I had just unwrapped them and put them in the fridge and I hadn't yet and so I tried one the next morning and it tastes really good it like surprisingly I was not expecting um you know because you don't typically expect those types of things to taste good like I don't like like the five-hour energy things or like the yeah I was kind of that's what kind of what I was expecting but this was very natural and very 
very good tasting. Kind of like it, it kind of did taste like an iced tea a little bit. A little bit. It like you can definitely taste the matcha in it, which is I think what makes it green like that. Mm, but it's okay. a, like a little shot in a little cute little plastic container that's yeah. um, easy to drink. They like tell two you to chill it. Yeah, they tell you to chill it and put it on ice, but I actually like mine room temperature better because I don't like things that are super cold. Oh, so really? So to me, it I drink mine on its own without any caffeine or anything with oh, it. Oh, interesting. And it, okay. It's super good. Like, not yeah. only is the flavor amazing, but, like, I noticed that my mental clarity was, like, off the charts after I drank it. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, have you been drinking it with coffee? So the first morning I didn't because it the instructions say you can take it with your caffeine, but me being a scientist, I was like, I need to conduct this little experiment and have its own be, be its own variable. So the first morning I did not have it with my coffee, um, and and the second morning I did, and I will say I definitely did notice a difference the second morning. And we have discussed ad nauseum on here. I have horrible, horrible insomnia, so it's a cycle for me because. If I don't sleep well, I don't feel well when I get up, which means I need to put away a half a pot of coffee just to feel normal, which then yeah. keeps me up all day, and then I don't fall asleep at night, and it's a whole thing, and I just never catch up. So anything where I can like, like reduce my actual caffeine intake, will like I'm, I'm on board with the idea because I, I need something to help me naturally sleep better, and I've gotten to the point where I'm taking so many different medications that I'm kind of like, I need to back off my medicine. Like, it's too much medicine. I just want to yeah. take something natural. I would love for my body to just go to sleep when it's supposed to go to sleep. And so reducing caffeine is a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, for me, this kind of has replaced my caffeine in the morning. Yeah. Um, I feel much more focused. I get a lot more done. And that's because of the new tropics inside of it. And I sleep better, I have less anxiety, and I'm super creative when I'm using it just because my mind feels more clear in some yeah. kind of weird way. The ingredients in this are like super natural as well. Darcy, you wanna, what, what's in it? Yeah, so that's one of the reasons I was kind of interested in this. So there's L-theanine or L-theanine, and so this is something that helps with focus and attention. It's kind of like it pairs well with caffeine. Um, and then there's Bacopa Monieri, which is natural, and this is supposed to work kind of like a natural oh. Adderall. So this and the L-theanine or L-theanine um, are both kind of that. working on your focus and, like, your ability to just, like, stay in tune with what you're doing. And there's ashwagandha, which mm. I've taken before just by itself, and the Me rhodiola rosea. Um, and that's for – you've taken ashwagandha? Yeah, I've taken the rhodiola. Um, that, they recommend that as a supplement for adrenal fatigue. Oh, okay. um, to help like with energy levels. Yeah. And then there's like um, the stress. I mean, not like we've all seen the commercials and stuff. When you have high stress, you have high cortisol levels, which yeah. affects everything from your metabolism to your circadian rhythms. And it's just, I've gotten to the point where I just live with it and I need to not do that anymore. That's not healthy. Seriously. Uh, it's got, and it's got mane and and cordyceps mushrooms, and these are also things that help boost your clarity and focus. So I've tried the cordyceps as well, and have that, you? that's a really awesome ingredient. So like for me, yeah. like everything in this is good, good, good. Yeah, and I just feel healthier because it's a, like a green drink. <laughs> I uh -huh, feel like right? I'm doing yeah. good things it does for feel, my body. Ever since I found out about it, I've been telling literally everyone, and yeah. I have so many coworkers that are like, "Oh my god, I need coffee," or "I'm drinking a monster," and I'm like, "No, no, 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 try some magic. Yeah. Try some magic mine." <laughs> it's so much better for you and you feel so much healthier and so much 
for me, it's like this, it's an excellent alternative to coffee and you feel like you're doing something mm-hmm. good for your body. Yeah. And you can drink good. it it's chilled really or you can put it in a smoothie or you can take it um, straight up room temp. Ooh, putting it in a smoothie is a good idea. Yeah. It sounds like an awesome, awesome, awesome way to yeah. take that stuff. Okay. So for the next 10 days, you get 40% off your subscription at www.magicmind.co backslash bizarre. That's magicmind.co backslash bizarre. M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot C-O backslash B-I-Z-A-R-R-E. Our discount code, which is B-I-Z-A-R-R-E 20. Again, our discount code is B-I-Z-A-R-R-E 20. And it's legit good, guys. Use that code at checkout, guys. Um, try it. The, what's the worst thing that can happen? You yeah. spend a, you spend a couple dollars and realize it tastes great. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to yeah, try I it and agree. be like, oh my god, this stuff is amazing. So. Yeah. So we'll put the link in the show notes. But um, yeah, that was all I had. I don't Give know. it a shot. Anyway, main case for the day: Mariah Wilson. Have you heard about this case? It's huge in the news right now. Right now? Yeah. This is currently going on. Where have I been? Um, I don't know, but it's been a splash all over the headlines um, with the last couple weeks. But Anna Mariah, or Mo Wilson, was born May 18th, 1996. She was a 25-year-old elite cyclist. She was fit. She was pretty. She was smart and driven. She had yes. kind of long, light brown, blondish hair, a slim build. Everything was going on for this girl. She was incredibly smart, educated, like just she had an incredible future in front of her. Yeah, and she was a really good athlete. Her parents, Karen and Eric Wilson, were proud of their accomplished daughter. She was born in Littleton, New Hampshire. Um, very small town girl. Um, this was a super quaint northeastern stereotypical small town. Um, they moved across the river into, uh, across the Connecticut River into Vermont later. She had one brother named Matthew, and she grew up actually doing alpine skiing. So this woman not only did cycling, but Whoa. she was a competitive athlete in alpine skiing. And that's the, the huge slopes on those very steep hills yeah. that you always see in the Olympics, in the Winter Olympics. But she did that, which to that's... me is absolutely incredible. So this girl's got to yeah. be like a thrill junkie, right? Yeah. She was very competitive in that. She placed third in the junior national championships at the age of 16. Oh, my gosh. So, like, she's good, right? Yeah. Mariah started biking as a teen and spent a lot of time on the Kingdom Trails, which is a northeastern staple for outdoor enthusiasts and just gorgeous, gorgeous area if you're going to do bicycle race practicing. Um, you you got to be for real about that, though, because there's, like, that area is hilly. Yeah. You get incredible (laughs) workouts, and it conditions you to do elite cycling, essentially. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Mariah attended Burke Mountain Academy, which is a private school that had special programs for alpine ski racing. So she was serious about that. And she graduated in 2014 and started attending Dartmouth College, which... If you haven't heard of Dartmouth College, maybe you're living under a rock or something. It's an Ivy League college in New Hampshire. Um, She studied engineering. Good Lord. Yeah. So, like, is there anything this girl cannot do? 
She's already like nationally ranked in one sport, picked up another sport. Yeah. And she and is studying engineering at, at Dartmouth. She graduated in 2019. And all the while she was doing professional cycling and regularly competing in races while getting her degree and doing alpine skiing at the same time. She was part of the ski team at Dartmouth, the, the alpine ski team at Dartmouth College. Wow. So she's just a go-getter. And yeah. she's a dynamo, and she's good at everything she tries, which already I'm jealous of her. Right. But after getting her degree, she then she focused on traveling and mountain racing, pursuing this career full-time. So while getting awards and accolades, she was doing work for specialized Bicycle Components, which is a huge, huge company, Specialized. You see their logo on a lot of cycling jerseys because they sponsor Mm -hmm. a lot of elite cyclists. And they are a cycle manufacturer and marketer, et cetera. They're huge in the racing community. Her title was Demand Planner, and she worked in the Bay Area for Specialized. Oh, okay. So she's in uh, San Francisco. Right. She also enjoyed traveling. She loved Italy, cooking, and writing. So, like, again, like... Is there anything this girl can't do? Seriously. And she was, she was generous, loving, friendly, accomplished. And in May 2022, she was living in San Francisco, competing in races all over the country while she was there. And she had already won one race in California and gotten second place in a race in Colorado that, for this year. Okay. Okay. Let's fast forward to May of this year. There is a 157-mile race in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And it's a gravel race. And Mariah plans to return to Vermont after she gets done with this race. And she's already resigned from her job with Specialized so that she can go back to Vermont and create this either a restaurant or a cafe kind of a setting or some kind of a business where cyclists and travelers can come for drinks and locally sourced meals. Oh, that's cool. So she's ambitious. She wants to do something a little different. Yeah. Mariah met Colin Strickland through the elite cycling community. He was also a cyclist in this competitive scene, and he was about 10 years older than her at 35. Okay. He lives in the Austin, Texas area and was born and raised in a town on a farm outside of Austin. He also started cycling very young, and by high school, it was clear that he was going to go pro. He got a degree and worked in conservation until the age of 24 when he went pro. Okay. Okay. The two dated for a few weeks while Colin was allegedly on a quote-unquote break from dating his long-term girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong. Hmm. Okay? Okay. Caitlin was a 35-year-old yoga instructor and an independent real estate contractor. All right. Already, I'm like, my eyebrows are shooting up because a break. So he dated, allegedly, he dated this girl for only a week or two in the fall of 2021, while he was on a break from his long-term relationship with Caitlin Armstrong. Right. Okay. Caitlin and Colin had dated for about three years before this alleged breakup in October, 2021. It was during this time that things heated up for Mariah and Colin, but Caitlin found out about this other woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Again, like we're kind of hearing sort of this from Colin's side only and because for reasons that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Okay. So he's the only one that we have information from, and he's saying this is what happened, right? All right. Caitlin found out about Mariah and called her. Already, 
creepy, right? Yeah. She explained to Mariah that Colin and her were a couple. They'd been dating for three years. Stop calling him. He's my man, essentially. See, this is a conversation that needs to be had between her and Colin. Yeah. Not um, her and Mariah. No, this poor girl had no idea. I, yeah. I can assure you. Even after all this drama, Colin continues to see the younger woman. He even changes Mariah's name in his phone. Oh, gosh. Because that always Classic, works. right? Right? Classic. So it would be harder for Caitlin to see... You know, if Mariah right. texted or if they communicated, yeah, right? My friend Tim. And we all know we all know how that works yeah. well, right? Eventually, Caitlin and Colin get back together, though. And those who knew Caitlin said she was very possessive and protective of her relationship with Colin. And I said, AKA crazy. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, if you have issues like that, then maybe you need to reconsider whether this relationship is the yes. best thing for you, yes. right? If you can't trust the person and you have to do things like check through their phone on a regular basis. Something's wrong. Okay. So by May 2022, Colin was living with Caitlin in Austin, Texas. Despite all that drama and all that jazz and the phone checking and all that, they move in together. Right. Caitlin and Colin. Okay. Because that's how, because it's A, it's proving to her that he's ready to make a commitment and B, it's her being able to have eyes on him more often. And so a lot of people think that like, this is kind of like, we'll have a kid and that'll make our relationship better. Like it's like make like going further down the commitment to each other will make your relationship better when it really like, it's just not, that's not how I think that's not how it goes. That's not a thing. And very few of those relationships, in my opinion, end up working out long term. That's what you're building the foundation on. But in the meantime, though, Mariah is in town for the Gravel Locos competition, which is slated to happen May 14th. Okay. Okay. Mariah and Colin meet up while she's in town. And evidently the two had repeatedly seen each other at other races. Okay. Now, whether he'd been in constant communication with her since he moved in with Caitlin, we don't really know. He says, yes, I've seen her at other races. It's just a friendly platonic kind of a thing. I said, hello. She said, hello. We're friends. Okay. Wednesday, May 11, 2022, Mariah was staying at a friend's house in Austin, Coincidentally, this woman's name was also Caitlin. Oh, okay. So, and this is a different Caitlin, though. So Mariah had gotten into town the day before and was prepping for her race. She was racing about two hours north of Austin, but sleeping in Austin with her friend, Caitlin. Okay. Okay. Wednesday, May 11th, 2022, the temperatures were around 90 degrees. And Mariah basically texts her friend and says she's going to meet up with Colin Strickland to go swimming. And this woman doesn't really know the history be- behind Colin and, and who he is or what he's, you know, she knows right. nothing about him. She just knows that her friend is staying there and she's kind of checking in. Okay. 5.55 p.m., Caitlin, Mariah's friend, gets a notification that her electronic door lock is opened. And she assumes that this is Mariah leaving. Right. And by all accounts, this is what time Colin picked Mariah up on his motorcycle. Oh, God, of course he has a motorcycle. Okay, Right. So Colin and Mariah go to the Deep Eddy swimming pool. Okay. It's sort of this historic outdoor pool in Austin where locals go to hang out, and it's a neat area. They go to the pool. They swim a little bit. Then they go to this burger joint near the pool um, for dinner. Okay. 
So 8.16 p.m. on May 11th, Colin and Mariah leave on the motorbike and get back to Mariah's buddy's house in approximately 20 minutes. Okay. This is 8.36 p.m. Right. At that point, Caitlin gets another text notifying her that the electronic lock has been triggered. Okay. So she's, you know, she sees what her friend is doing. Yeah. At the same time that he drops off Mariah, Colin sends his girlfriend Caitlin Armstrong a text telling her he's gone somewhere different, he's gone up north, and blah, blah, blah. His phone died. Oldest excuse in the book, right? Oh, God. And says he's heading home. Hashtag shady. Clearly, Colin is hiding things from Caitlin, right? Yeah. Colin gets home in about seven minutes. His girlfriend is not there when he arrives. So he sends her another text, and when he doesn't hear back from her, evidently he's not concerned about this at all, that he doesn't hear back from her. And Anyway. He goes out into the garage and starts tinkering with his bikes. Okay. Yeah. 9.21 p.m., Colin texts Caitlin again and kind of is like, what's up? Where are you? Etc. And then a few minutes later, Caitlin pulls up in her car a Jeep Cherokee. Okay. Okay. Not long after that, Mariah is found shot to death in her friend's house Whoa. a few miles away. Holy cow. Hmm. So evidently, Mariah's friend, Caitlin also, the other Caitlin, comes home a little before 10 p.m. and basically finds her friend bleeding to death from numerous gunshot wounds lying in the bathroom. Oh, my God. Okay. 9.56 p.m., Mariah's friend calls 911, and police and paramedics arrive. Mariah is pronounced dead at the scene at approximately 10.10 p.m. There's no gun, and police do not believe this is a random kind of a crime. Yeah. They immediately suspect foul play. Right. And basically they think initially that they think maybe robbery was a motive because Mariah's expensive racing bike was missing. Mm -hmm. Then they find it about 70 feet away from the house in a thick stand of bamboo trees. Huh. So... Maybe they, they think tried to like either she was it. trying to hide it herself or maybe somebody was trying to stage this. I don't know. I, I mean, I would. It sounds like somebody tried to take it to make it look like a robbery, and then realize I actually don't know what they're doing with like an actually very nice road bike. Yeah. In any case, there's no cameras at the house. Yeah. So they have to look around for surrounding cameras, and they do find that the neighbors had a ring camera. Uh huh. And it shows that about 8.26 p.m., a dark-colored SUV drives by. 11 minutes after, at about 8.37, the same dark SUV drives back out of the neighborhood. The cameras are not clear enough to show the driver, though. So they show the car. They show the make and model of the car. But they don't show anything about the driver. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and guess it's a cheap Cherokee. Mm. Um, yeah, and it has a bicycle hitch, just like her but Jeep But this Cherokee. would mean that she knew they were together already and went to watch him drop her off. Quite possibly, yeah. Okay. And the police immediately questioned Colin because he'd been the last one to see her. Right. Right? Mariah's family holds a um, funeral back in her hometown, and this is set up really quickly. They also get a GoFundMe going from Mar- in Mariah's name to set up a charity for athletes in mm-hmm. need which is really altruistic, even though I'm sure they were in tremendous pain from losing this young woman. In the meantime, police get to work questioning all the neighbors around the crime scene. And Mariah's friend lived in a duplex, so they questioned the neighbor, the attached Mm -hmm. wall neighbor. 
And that person says that between 8.30 and 9.30 on the night in question, the landlord was home and heard noises from the garage. He heard running downstairs and noises in the alley next to the duplex. Hmm. So he doesn't just stand there. He goes and checks it out. And he goes and looks under the partially open garage door and sees someone riding a bike down the alley next to where it was later found. Hmm. He doesn't have a lot of detail, though. He has kind of like the build of the person, but it's hard for him to tell anything specific about it. Yeah. Colin releases a statement shortly thereafter saying how shocked and saddened he is with losing this dear friend and that he says he's fully cooperating with the police in every way possible. And will continue to cooperate as long as needed. Mm -hmm. He also confirms that he and Mariah did have a brief fling in October 2021, claiming that he'd gotten back together with his girlfriend, Caitlin Armstrong, and that basically he ran into Mariah at biking events. They both competed together, but their relationship was strictly professional and platonic. Which is why he definitely had to lie to his girlfriend about hanging out with her earlier that night. Yeah, essentially. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it also comes out that Colin had purchased two guns. Why? One for him and one for Caitlin. Again, sounds like a super smart plan for this hyper-possessive crazy girlfriend, right? December 2021, January 2022 is when he purchased these guns. And no one says why he purchased the guns. Well, it's like defense. Like, yeah. In any case... Caitlin's 2012 Jeep Cherokee was positively identified from the cameras in the neighborhood and, you know, the distinctive bike rack on it. Mm-hmm. Caitlin's gun also matched the murder weapon. So it's looking pretty grim for Caitlin Armstrong. Yeah. The police get Colin and Caitlin in for questioning. She does not deny that it's her car, but she says she doesn't know why it would show up on the camera. She, like, plays dumb at that okay. point. When asked if she knew anything about the murder, she indicates that she heard about it from her boyfriend, Colin, but she doesn't know anything about it. Okay. She's calm. She's vague. She's super chill when asked if she knew anything about her wayward boyfriend hanging out with Mariah that night. Like, how are you super chill when you're in that situation talking to the police? Like, that's something I never understood. Like, I get nervous when I get pulled over. Because you're a psychopath? Yeah. yeah, I mean, true, but yeah. She rolls her eyes and kind of pauses and says she doesn't know any doesn't have any information she looks pissed but she says i don't know like when they ask her well were you upset that he was hanging out with her and you didn't know about it for some reason the police don't have enough evidence or for whatever reason and i think i'm going to get into this a little bit later they let caitlin leave okay (laughs) it seems like you know you'd hold this person and she's a suspect in a murder case with very real evidence behind keeping her but In any case, May 13th, an anonymous caller suggests Caitlin had called her romantic rival on multiple occasions, threatening her at least once. Mm. So there's some history here. And this is not just when she came to visit for this race in May. This is way prior to that. May 14th, another anonymous person says she was with Caitlin when she discovered that Colin was still kicking it with Mariah in January of 2022. Oh, Lord. And this anonymous person says that um caitlin was super upset when she found out because she thought things had ended yeah probably because he told her things had ended yeah the caller says that caitlin wanted to kill mariah and spoke about the gun she had yikes i mean not looking too good for caitlin right now 
She also has one previous larceny charge against her from 2018. <laughs> this is interesting in itself. It's a $650 theft. Evidently, she got Botox and says she had to go to her car to get her credit card and never returned. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the spa filed charges against what? her. What? Yeah. How random is that, right? Colin said he hadn't spoken to Caitlin since May 13th. So she disappears. She deletes all of her social media accounts and just disappears. Two days Off after. Into the air. Yeah. Okay. The only app she did not delete was a cycling app that showed she'd taken a ride May 11th. And nothing since then. Okay. Since the murder, Caitlin is known to have taken a flight to Houston around noon on May 14th, 2022. She then flew to New York. On Southwest Airlines, there are lots of pictures of her in the airport to confirm this. She's holding a yoga mat. She's got white pants on. Her hair is half up and half down. She's got a blue backpack, a black face mask, and a denim jacket on in the last known images of her after this event. Okay. Okay. And by black face mask, sorry, not a robber's face mask. This is a COVID face mask. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. This is a true crime podcast, but it's not that kind of mask. (laughs) Yeah. LaGuardia authorities say they lost track of her, though, after she landed. Which, I mean, Howard, they don't really know she's wanted. Yeah. It's not like they knew to monitor her, right? right? It's believed that she ditched her cell phone and likely altered her appearance shortly thereafter. As far as we know, she's still on the run as of today. Holy cow. I didn't realize that. Clearly, she had been planning this for quite a while. And she also knew what was going on with her boyfriend. She had to have known he was still seeing Mariah. And she, I think she was either monitoring him or she put a tracker on his motorcycle or she was, had some kind of access to his phone. Yeah, I mean, it could have been like, shared the, like secretly shared the location with her or something like that. Like when, like when he was not with his phone, she got on it and shared the location or something. Yeah, absolutely. There's no way this could be random. Yeah. A warrant was issued on May 17th uh, for murder charges for Caitlin Armstrong. What's interesting is that her family claims that she's innocent. We know she's innocent. (laughs) My daughter did not do this. So why is she fleeing? Yeah, exactly. No parent wants to admit their kid's a monster. Let's face it, right? No, but... I mean, look at Brian Landry's family. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody nobody wants to admit that, but sometimes... But you can't cover for them either, like... But the fact of the matter is, Mariah had no known enemies except Caitlin Armstrong, right. <laughs> right? And there's so much evidence stacking up against this woman. So how is she hiding for this long is what I want to know. Because there's no evidence that she went to an ATM around the time of the murder, so there's no large cash withdrawal. She hasn't used a credit card. It's just, uh, it's crazy. Is she still know, in the country? We don't know. She could be in Canada by now. Yeah. She went to New York. But what we do know about this woman is that she ran a business with Colin together. They did design and building of vintage trailers, and the company was called Wheelhouse Mobile. The website for it was taken down shortly after she went on the run. November 21st, 1987 um, was when she was born. Her mother was an alcoholic. She was born in Livonia, Michigan. She lived solely with her father. She ended up moving to Santa Monica, California in her 20s. And then Austin, Texas in 2017 to live with a sister. One of her brothers is also said to have alcohol issues. 
Caitlin did real estate for a while um, after her yoga business kind of dropped off with COVID. Right. And she basically was really good at numbers and finances. She did accounts payable for the business she shared with Colin. She was a super busy lady. She was smart, seemingly normal, uh, besides the one Mariah drama. And the thing is, Colin talks about it now, and he claims that there were no red flags or issues to lead him to believe that Caitlin could snap and commit murder, which, hmm... The whole thing with her taking his phone and she had actually blocked Mariah's number on his phone. Yeah. And that's why he changed this woman's number so that Caitlin wouldn't know who he was communicating with. But it seems like she did. It didn't matter. She, she still right. knew. So evidently Caitlin is approximately five foot eight inches tall with reddish hair. It's long and kind of curly. She has hazel eyes. She is about 125 pounds. We're going to post some pictures on social media of this woman. The U.S. Marshals have asked her to surrender without violence, but she's considered armed and dangerous. So her, so she was born in Michigan, raised in Michigan. Where's her family now? She has a sister in Austin? Michigan. They're in Michigan. She has a sister in Austin. Okay. So, and I don't know where her brother so is, so but it's her not family that they're was all, all like a spread across the country. They seem to be all kind of, okay. No. So she's, like I said, she's considered armed and dangerous. Her car is also missing. And there's a be on the lookout that's been issued for that. It's a black 2012 Jeep Cherokee with a Texas license plate. L as in Larry, D as in dog, Z as in Zorro, 5608. We'll post that in the show notes and as well on social media. Um, Caitlin Armstrong was last spotted May 18th at the Newark, New Jersey airport. Although she was seen at the airport, there are no outbound flights under her name. Hmm. So she either used an alias or didn't leave there on an, on an outbound flight, which she may have just gone there to distract authorities sure. and then either walked over the border or took a bus or something of that nature. Yeah. Um, Colin Strickland is in hiding because he fears her. No. Which, you know, surprise, surprise. Anyway, the number to call if you see her or know anything about her is one 800 336 0102 again 1-800-336-0102 there's a five thousand dollar reward being offered for viable tips leading to her arrest somewhere i read that caitlin was mistakenly released from police custody because her date of birth didn't match the one listed on the warrant wow so some people are saying that's why she was let go from the police station rather than being held indefinitely because she's a murder suspect but, like, you just look at pictures of these two, and it's just so sad because, number one, they both had so much promise. Both of them very attractive young ladies, intelligent by all means. Like, why? Why would you need to do that? There are so, – and you see pictures of Colin, and you're like, why? Why? Literally There's nobody's so worth that. so many fish in the sea. I don't care There's what they so look many like, fish what they do. The no, literally nobody's worth that. No. Absolutely not. And this poor girl had no idea. Yeah. No idea. She was just living her life and being, you know, a normal person. And all of a sudden she gets murdered by this Jeez. crazy yoga instructor. I did. So I didn't ever pay attention to names, which is my fault. But, but so I did hear about the cyclist love triangle thing. I didn't know Caitlin was still on the run, though. So that's interesting. No, she as of I looked on for an update this morning and didn't see anything. Wow. There hasn't been any update for a couple of days on the last spotting of this woman. Um <laughs> Just out, just crazy. Yeah. Just crazy to me. 
And it's hard to know, like, what actually happened and who was telling what. Like, was Colin lying about everything? Was he being honest? And this girl just was off the rails? Like, yeah. did Mariah, was she fearful for her safety? Did she basically think this woman was no danger? I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and kind of like, hey, it's, just thumb my nose at this girl because yeah. she Well, for she all we know, Colin me. told Mariah they were broken up again. Who knows? Like, we, I, mean, I mean, it seems that probably was the case because yeah. of his history of not being truthful. Man. Over a boy. No. Like, th- literally right? nobody's worth just it. Absolutely just absolutely ridiculous. And he's not even hot. I, I mean, <laughs> even seriously? if he was, I don't care. Like, it's not... I know. It's not worth it. It's yeah. so not worth it. You you basically ended your life and you ended yeah. this other person's life over yeah. a boy. Over her content. And they it, they probably didn't even do anything. They just had dinner and went to the pool. Really? And you need to kill someone over that? Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, anything else you want to add for the case today? Um, I don't. I don't have anything. Folks, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. We're at the BFD podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. If you have questions about this case or more information that you've heard that we haven't had access to, shoot us an email. Tell us about it. We'll give you a shout out on the show. Um, Darcy, what's our social media? Yeah, we are at the BFD podcast on Instagram. So like I said, like Sarah said, we'll be posting pictures of Caitlin and Mariah, definitely, but definitely information about finding Caitlin and what to do if you happen to see her as well. All that good stuff. Absolutely. Um, they're, they're pretty distinctive, like the pictures of this young woman on the run. So, like, I feel yeah. like if she has any hope of escaping, she has had to have altered her appearance significantly. Yeah. Cut her hair off or dyed it or and, whatever. But with her family, like, maintaining that she's innocent, there's, I mean, there's every reason to think that they're helping her, too, you know? Yeah, but the authorities have probably got their eye on, on her parents and family first and foremost right well yeah but there was money gets what, sent. a day or two be- between when oh, she yeah. was able to she had a significant head start yeah which is the problem here right she could be in canada by now i think that it was a red flag like going to the airport up there and acting like she was going to leave and she just wanted to distract people yeah but anyway please join us again next week when we talk more about weird wacky and wild cases good night podcast peeps stay safe keep it real and always live your very best life Bye. Bye, guys.